0: So for these last few weeks, we've been working through this series on temptation, talking about real temptations in our lives. We've been talking, if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about this temptation to take the easy way out. When Jesus, when the Holy Spirit was leading Jesus into the desert, I believe that Jesus had the option not to follow. Knowing the desert and what everything was happening there, yet he still followed God, he didn't take the easy way out. And then we talked some, too, about how we have this temptation to take control of our lives. When things are scary or when things are hard, we want to take control. We want to make it work. We find it difficult to trust God with things. And we want to just fix it ourselves. And then we talked about it last week when we are tempted to put God to the test. When we've been in that hard place for a while, and we start asking, God, are you really there? God, prove it to me that you're really here. And we start putting God to the test. And we've been watching how Jesus has been having these same temptations and how he faithfully navigates each one. How he relies on the Word of God. Each time Satan comes to him and tries to tempt him, he responds first with the Word of God. But also, Jesus responds with faith in God. He faithfully follows his Father. Does what his Father is calling him to do, even when it's difficult, even when he knows that it's going to mean sacrifice. Well, this week we're going to be talking some about this temptation we have to put our way above God's way. Kind of got a picture of it when the kids, when Jonathan was running, doing it his own way, not following the lead, not following Tracy, who in a completely non-heretical way was trying to portray God. (laughs) But that temptation to put our kingdom above God's kingdom. Now, I can tell you honestly, like I still struggle with this. Putting my kingdom above God's kingdom. Even with the church, I still struggle with that. But one of the most poignant times in my life that I remember me putting my kingdom above God's kingdom uh, was actually in college. <clears throat> my mom and I, we had gone on a trip and we went to on, on a cruise and we were in St. Thomas and we were talking with a shopkeeper and he was talking about his son who, was a, who had, had learned Mandarin, uh, who was living in China. It was like this really successful, wildly successful business guy. And I remember coming home, I dropped out of biology, and I went into business as my major. And I started studying Mandarin Chinese so that I could be wildly successful, that I could start building my kingdom. And, you know, through university and stuff like that, I got an internship at a local company who was growing like crazy. And I think I said this a couple weeks ago, but I was 23 years old. I was traveling to Europe and to Asia and to Latin America. I was making more money at 23 than my mom, who had been working at her job for 20-some years. Um, I was. Uh, I remember uh, they didn't actually go public, but I remember when they were talking about going public, and I actually had shares that were issued to me um, of the company stock options. And I remember thinking what I was going to do with all the extra money when I had paid off my house. I was building my kingdom. And I was, I was married and I remember one year paying off our, our cars and I remember the next year saving 20% to put down on my house and bought a house. I was building my kingdom. I was tempted to build my little kingdom and I took it hook, line, and sinker. And I'm, t- I'm here now in a completely different place and we'll get, I'll tell you some more about that. But I'm wondering if you're ever tempted with that temptation to build your own kingdom. To put your way above God's way, or to get so focused on your world and your, your job, your career, or your life and your family that we forget about God's kingdom. Has anybody here ever had that feeling or had that situation in their life? Yeah, people are, yeah, some people are raising their hands. Right, when we're on his feet, we, we all wrestle with this. And, it's, and I, you know, I want to be careful because I think God wants us to have homes. I think God wants life to be good for us. But it's trouble when we start putting that as our God, as our priority. We start putting, uh, we start saying things like, you know, God, I know what you want to do. I know the great things that you desire to do, but I'm really busy right now. You don't understand how busy things are at work or how busy things are with my retirement right now. You just don't understand. Like, I don't. Or we start saying things like, God, I just need a little bit more time. I need to, to, to get a little bit more. It's, it's not quite there yet. I need just a few more things to be just a little bit more comfortable, have a little bit more of a cushion. God, I, keep, I need you to just put your kingdom aside just for a minute so I can keep focusing on mine. The trouble is that after a while, maybe we start to feel like it's been a while and I, there's supposed to be more to life than this. There's supposed to be more to life. There's supposed to be more joy, more meaning and purpose. I mean, I, I talk with people, I mean, I live next to people who their whole life is like their, their home or their property or the stuff that they have. And, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be tempting if there wasn't something there. I mean, if there wasn't some sort of draw there or at least some sort of like, transitory fulfillment, at least for a little bit, it makes you feel better when we start wondering, okay, God, when I'm tempted to put my kingdom above yours, what do I do? Or if maybe you, this morning you're recognizing, God, I've, Lord, I've been putting my kingdom above yours. What, what do I do with that? How do I start m- making things right? Or how do I put things in the right priority again? That's why I love the Word of God. <laughs> That's why I love the Scriptures. Because it speak to us. I mean, I know that there are Some of them are over 2,000 years old, and they still speak to us today. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 4, or if you have your bulletins and you want to follow along with a bulletin insert, uh, read with me. So we'll begin the second half down on Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And this is the part we're going to be talking about today at verse 8, where it says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. So I've been studying this passage this last week, realizing that that Jesus was tempted to put his way above God's way. He was tempted to do, kingdom, or to do the kingdom the devil's way, or his way over God's way. To sell out, to take the easy way out. Because what the devil was talking to him was truly tempting. I mean, I know like we, sometimes in the church, we want to say, oh, Jesus wasn't really tempted by these things. But when you start thinking about it, I believe that Jesus knew why he was here on earth. I believe that Jesus knew that he was the Messiah, that he had come to bring redemption, not only to save us, humanity, but to redeem all of creation. And I believe he knew what it was going to take to do that. I believe that he knew the cross. I mean, even, even like midway through the Gospels, you start hearing Jesus say, the Son of Man must suffer many things let go to Jerusalem and be, and be killed. But on the third day, rise again. Jesus knew what it meant for him to be the Messiah, to be the Savior. He knew what it was going to mean in terms of the, the pain and the suffering. And so it, you start when you realize that, you can see how it becomes way more tempting when the devil comes to him and takes him to the top of the mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the earth. And he says, I can give you these kingdoms if you just bow for just a moment. Now the first thing I realize is human, or as humans, like we would be pretty tempted with the power of that. All of these kingdoms, all the kingdoms of the earth I can give to you. And we see that the sort of Messiah that Jesus is, the sort of king that he is. that he's not here to just grab power. I mean, he is Lord of lords and king of kings, but he's going to do it God's way. He's not just going to try and grab the power and be some sort of dictator over, over all of creation. But I also realized, too, that Jesus, when he was tempted, I think it's maybe tempted more because of how good he is. Not because he had some sort of diabolical plan, but because of how good he was. He was tempted because Satan is saying, bow just for a moment, and then I'll give you these kingdoms. And it would have been tempting to think, you know, maybe maybe the, the means do justify the ends. You know, it's just a brief bow and then I can get to work making things better. Then I can get into control, into power, and I can start changing these kingdoms. I can start changing this world. Just, it's, I know it's going to take just a momentary bow, but I can start changing things. I wonder if he was tempted that way. To look beyond the, the brief moment, the brief wrong thing that it would take, but thinking you know, maybe, the, maybe the means do justify the ends. And I can start changing things. But I think this part, too, is tempting to him because he's also fully human. Satan here is giving him an easy way out. Or at least what appears to be an easy way out. Jesus, just kneel. Just bow to me. And I'll give you these kingdoms. Just bow to me. Come on, bow for a moment. What's better? What do you want? Bow for a moment or or suffering, excruciating, long death on a cross. Which would you rather? It's tempting. It's tempting to do it his own way. To put his kingdom above God's kingdom. But praise God. Praise God, Jesus is faithful. Praise God for the ways that he responds I believe that Jesus knew the truth that it may seem like you're bowing just for a moment, but that works out into a lifetime of slavery. A lifetime of oppression. Living under Satan. Jesus knew this. It, Satan's asking him not just to bow for a moment, he's asking him to change devotion. To remove his devotion from God, his Father in heaven, and to put it somewhere else. He's saying, Jesus, make a new idol. Make a new God in your own image. But Jesus doesn't fall for it. Praise God that he sees through this. I mean, you think about who, who Satan is talking to, because it's Jesus who would actually go on to say that what good does it do a person to gain the whole world if they forfeit their soul? And actually, Jesus, when he heard that, he quotes Deuteronomy. Jesus is speaking to Satan. He quotes the Scriptures. He quotes Deuteronomy, one of the books of the Old Testament. Deuteronomy is this sermon that Moses is preaching to the people of Israel before they enter the land, reminding them of all that God has done in their lives, that they would be faithful to him. If you would take a look at it with me here, it's, it's, on this, it's on this sheet here, or if you want to, you can turn to your Bibles in Deuteronomy 8, chapter 10. So Moses is speaking to the people of Israel and he says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plan. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only and take oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God. And his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the, of the land. What did I say? Ah. <laughs> sorry. It is chapter 6. Hopefully. Sorry. Because there's actually, if you're, if you're interested, chapter 8 is basically a, a prolonged version of chapter 6, that, that verse I just read. Um, but sorry, chapter 6, uh, for those of you who are at the insert... Um, but what he's getting at here, what Moses is getting at, what God is moving Moses to say, is that when things are going well, when we are prospering, we are pulled to forget God. It's, it's crazy how this works. You know, and it's in Deuteronomy, and Jesus is actually quoting both of these, but if you remember from last week, or actually from the part in Deuteronomy where God says, or when Moses says, do not tempt the Lord as you did at Massah. And we talked about it last week. Last week. When things are going bad, we are tempted to test God. God, prove to me that you are God. God, prove to me. Make things finally work. And we're tempted to put God to the test when things are hard. But we realize this morning, too, that we are tempted to go our own way, to forget about God when things are going really well. You know, I started this morning talking about when I was young, when I was in my 20s, and how, you know, I was thinking about it, like putting my kingdom above God's kingdom. It wasn't even that. I didn't even think about God's kingdom. My whole world was wrapped up around my kingdom, around my career, around my success. But now that I am a follower of Jesus, more faithfully following him, I still feel this pressure. When things are good, he starts saying things like, it's because of my own power or the strength of my own hand that I have built these things. I'm a self-made man. Or I'm a self-made woman. Or it's because I've worked so hard at my career that I've got these things. We start forgetting what God has done. When we prosper, we're pulled to forget. To take God for granted. Now thankfully, Jesus responds and he shows us how to respond. He shows us how to respond to this temptation. First thing, he begins by quoting scriptures. His life is immersed in the word of God. So when Satan says, I will give you, all of these, I'll give you all of these kingdoms, he remembers that when things are going well, we are tempted to forget God. He quotes Deuteronomy. Fear the Lord your God alone and serve Him only. When you're tempted to make idols of other things, yourself or your career or your home or your hobby, Remember the Lord. Serve him only. So not only is Jesus remembering the word of God, but he's also faithfully following God. He has this relationship, and we hear a lot about it through the Bible, about how close Jesus was with God. He said, I and the Father are one. He had this intimate relationship with God. We read in the Gospels too, um, there's parts where it says that Jesus went away by himself to pray. He was constantly spending time with his Father. This encourages us, one, to be in our Word and to be into the Bibles, reading them regularly, but also to be growing our relationship with God. You know, sometimes people come to church and they think, I- I'm going to church, I'm doing the thing. But God desires a relationship with you. I mean, it's great if you're here, but God desires to know you and to know how deeply he loves you and for your life to be changed through a relationship with him. So Jesus shows this, that we are immersed in the word of God, but also in a relationship with God. But there's also one other thing here that I just wanted to, to draw out. I can't help it. Is that I think Matthew is telling us this story, or God is telling Matthew to tell us this story, so we will see what kind of Messiah Jesus is. What kind of king he is. And he's a good king. Even when he's tempted to take the easy way out, to have all the power with none of the sacrifice, he still does the right thing. He still follows God. But that's the sort of king we follow, the sort of Lord that guides our lives. A king who would sacrifice himself for the sake of you, for the sake of us. Even when he could have had a completely easier way, yet he still did it God's way, faithful way. This is the king that we serve. This is the Lord who shapes every aspect of our lives. Jesus was tempted. Satan came to him and he tempted him with, with doing it his own way over God's way, of building his kingdom his way rather than building God's kingdom God's way. Now, the question is you know, I, I know that, that most of you, there's a very slim chance that you're going to find yourself in a desert on top of a mountain tempted by Satan with kingdoms and bowing. Like, I know that's a pretty rare chance for you. But I do know that we still struggle with this. We still... I mean, the situations are different, but we have the same temptation to put our way above God's way. To put our kingdom above God's kingdom. We are tempted with this. We are tempted to forget God. When things are going well, When things are going well in our life, we're tempted to forget that it's God who does it. We're tempted to forget that it's it's God who brought us here. It's God who provided all these things to fall in place for things to be going so well for us. Some of you might be thinking, like, things are not going well for me. I don't know what you're talking about, Jason. (laughs) But I want to encourage you, too, that God is at work in your life, too. When things are going well, we are, we are tempted to forget that every good and perfect gift comes from God. We start thinking that every good and perfect gift came from my hard work, or from my amazing ability, or my skill. And we stop building God's kingdom, we, start, we stop focusing on God's kingdom, His desires for this world, and we start focusing on our tiny little world. And I believe, like I said, God wants us to have homes. He doesn't want us to be homeless. God doesn't want us to be miserable. He wants us to to enjoy, to be full of joy and full of life. But he never wants us to put those things as the priority above him. When we forget, when we start focusing on the creation rather than the creator. Because when we start building our own kingdom, we start thinking things like, I need a bigger and better home. I need a newer and nicer car. I need more and more for me and mine. And then we're tempted to rationalize it. I mean, we saw, like, I don't know if Jesus was, but I could, I could imagine myself being tempted to rationalize. You know, it's just a tiny little bow. And then I could really get to work. I'll be king over all the kingdoms. And we start saying things like, you know, it's just, I just need a little bit more time. I just need to, to build my, my savings account just a little bit more. Then I can start doing things for you, God. We're tempted to rationalize it. It's just going to be for a little bit more. God, I'm just so busy right now. Maybe, maybe in a different season, when things are a little bit better, a little bit easier. The trouble is we start building our career in our own image. We start building our kingdom in our own image. That's called idolatry. And it kind of sucks to say that because I know how I do that too. We start putting our life above God's life, or above God's kingdom. Our career and our priorities above God's. The trouble is, that's a slippery slope. That's a dangerous road to go down. And it starts when we start taking God for granted. When we look at how God has blessed us and we start to take it for granted. I mean, I take things for granted all the time. We eat three meals a day plus snacks and (laughs) I totally take it for granted. We have brothers and sisters who don't have anything to eat today. I take it for granted, this amazing home that God has blessed us with, and I'm so grateful. But there are times, like I was talking about it last week, where I start complaining about what I don't have, and I forget about all the things I do have. The amazing provision of God. Like, I know God provided that home for us. There's no way we could have done it on our own. We start taking God for granted. And when we take God for granted, we stop saying thank you. We stop praising God. We stop saying, God, I'm so grateful for what you've done in my life. I'm so grateful above everything that you've saved me. That you have rescued me. I I could see where I was headed. I mean I look at my own life where I was at in my twenties, I can see where I was headed. I am so grateful that God has saved me. But when we take God for granted, we stop saying thank you. And when we stop saying thank you, we start patting ourselves on the back. Like I said, we start saying it's because of my strength or my ability that I've done these things. It's a slippery slope for us. But thankfully, Jesus shows us the way. And actually, speaking and referring back to Deuteronomy, I think God shows us how to faithfully follow Him. But it's hard because, you know, we, we do these things, we have these, these kingdoms and these ideas and we start thinking, but you know what, it's the culture around us too. I mean, it's just... It permeates the lives of people around us everywhere. It's like just a foregone conclusion that life is about your success and getting ahead. I mean, we have friends who bless them, God bless them, but that's what they think life is about. And it's part of like, our human nature. I mean, it's not just something that, you know, this generation dreamed up. It's happened from the beginning. When Eve took that, that fruit... The, the, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Putting her way above God's way. Putting human, humanity's way above God's way. Or what about in and, and, and the Tower of Babel? People were trying to, or humanity was trying to build this tower up to the heavens. So they didn't need God anymore. It's in us. This temptation, this drive to put our way above God's way. To put our kingdom above God's kingdom. And like I totally did it. I still wrestle with it. But it doesn't work well. I can tell you from my own life, my, I, mean, I was 23, by the time I was 24, uh, my marriage had disintegrated, and the company I was working for was laying off people. And I remember standing in this room of this house where I lived, or that I'd bought. And there was no furniture or anything, and just the light coming in and realizing that Jesus Jesus was the only one who would always be there. His kingdom was the only kingdom that was going to last. And I started thinking, you know, if I'm gonna believe this, or now that I really believe this, I'm gonna start living it. Because I was doing the thing, you know, I go to church occasionally and then I kind of just keep doing working on my kingdom. But I said, if I'm going to really believe this, then I'm going to walk this way. I'm going to live this way. And I, how God has blessed me now. And I'm here with you, this family, preaching the Word of God, whom, which I love. Preaching to this church family whom I love. And with my wife, my, with Tracy, and I have two sons. And this amazing place, like, God has redeemed me. And it's because I've been trying to follow His way, not mine. And I know I don't do it perfectly, I mean, most of you know me long enough. There are times when I fail at this. But it's amazing what God has has done in my life. And we see in the scriptures how God gives us, shows us how to resist this temptation. To resist this temptation. To put our kingdom above his. It's in Deuteronomy in chapter 6. Not 8. it's in 8-2, but chapter 6 where he says, remember what, the, remember what God has done. Don't forget what God has done in your lives. Keep reminding yourselves. Keep telling other people about it. I mean, it's great for them, it encourages them, but it, mostly it reminds us of what God has done in our lives. I mean, I know some of you, some of the stories that you have, how God has been at work in your lives. You have amazing stories. Amazing stories that not only would build faith in others, but will keep building faith in you. And thanking God. Thanking for his provision. Thanking for the ways that he's redeemed you. That he's drawn you out of some of the hardest times in your life. And you're here now and you're in a better place because of what God has done. So keep thanking God. And then follow him. Now I say this on purpose because if we try to follow, begin like some of you might do okay, but sometimes it's hard if we're not trusting It's hard to to, to follow God if we're not trusting him. So that's why I say remember what he's done. Be thankful and trust. And then following becomes easier. Not easy, but easier. That we follow God. So I'm thinking about you this week. And, you know, how do we boil this down to one, like some things we can do this week? You know, there's lots here about this temptation to put our kingdom above God's kingdom, our way above God's way. What are some things that we can do this week that will help us with this, to to put priorities right again? And the first one, and it's actually, sorry, it's not just one thing, it's two things this week, but but the first thing is thank God. Give thanks. Now, for those of you who, I don't know, do that sort of crazy thing where you remember sermons. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know, somebody got that joke. (laughs) You'll, you'll remember that I've been saying this for the last three weeks. Give thanks to God. That's one of the, the, the best ways, the most helpful ways of trusting God is remembering how faithful God has been and thanking Him for it. Praising God for what He's done in our lives. So that's the first thing. Praise God this week. The second thing is this, is find a way to put God's kingdom above yours again. Now, some of you are going to hear this this Sunday or this morning, and you're going to think, I've got to make a huge change, and I'm going to, here's, bless you. For some of you, maybe it's just a baby step. Find one way this week to put God's kingdom back on top. Find one way this week to put God's priorities above your priorities. Now, I know what I'm asking, because I'm already thinking about, man, what is this is going to mean for my life. But put God's priorities, just one more thing this week, Just one more way. And, you know, maybe it's as simple as that time that maybe you had devoted to your kingdom or to your career or to your hobby. Take just a bit of that time and devote it to God's kingdom this week. You know, maybe it's calling up that that one person you know who just needs encouragement right now. Who's in a hard time in life. Take that hour that you're going to do for yourself or for your kingdom and just go and spend it with them. Or maybe it's resources. Maybe, maybe it's not time. Maybe you already spend lots of time with people. Maybe it's the, the, the financial part of it. Take that, that thing that you've been saving for your kingdom and devote it to God's kingdom. Now, I want to be careful here because, I, like I've said a few times, I want to, to say that I believe God wants us to have homes. God wants us to have enough food to eat. He wants us to have enough, to, to actually to have abundance, but so that we can share it with others so we can be gracious and we can be generous. Find one place this week where you can devote something that you were kind of had it earmarked for your kingdom and devote it to God's kingdom. I hear God saying that, you know, to, to trust him, to, to give him praise and to put his kingdom above ours. You know, we're tempted and we've been talking about this these last few weeks. We are tempted of all sorts of ways. And this morning we're talking about how we're tempted to put our way above God's way. To put our kingdom and our little empire above God's kingdom. But imagine what it begins to look like when we start giving God thanks. When we start praising Him. When we give God thanks and we start putting His kingdom even more above our own. Now I know, like I'm, so in some ways I'm preaching to the choir because I know you. I know so many of you in the ways that you're already putting God's kingdom above yours. And I want to bless you in that and to encourage you in that. But imagine this week as we do that next thing. Maybe that thing that God has been sort of putting on us, we've kind of felt God's spirit saying, come on, (laughs) put this one thing above yours. To do that this week. To keep giving God thanks. To keep trusting Him. And to find one way this week to put His kingdom above ours. Amen.